Okay, are y'all ready for the Phenomenal Women? Y'all yeah. Yeah. don't sound too convinced, man. Y'all ready for the Phenomenal Women to step on the stage? Yeah. That's more like it. All right, so I'm going to say it in order of how I guess had it on the flyer. Um, first and foremost, I want to welcome to the stage. She's a Stella-nominated artist. She's a singer-songwriter. She's amazing on stage. Um, I'm looking forward to having this conversation with her. Please give it up for Ajani Hambrick. I'm sparkling water out of her way. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, man. See? Up next. Ah, man, what can I say about this sister? She's a poet. She's an activist. She is uh, quite outspoken, love of the death, man, and she's just an amazing person. Give it up for Leah James, ladies and gentlemen. Like, 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 as I'm seeing them come on stage, it's just like, yo, y'all are actually here in that side. This is amazing. All right, and last but not least, we got... Uh, 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 an MC vocalist, I, I would easily say like a, a proficient freestyler I've seen her on stage and she handles that very well. And she has new music on the way, done a couple of things, a rapzilla freshman. Give it up for Angie Rose, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. And these are your water. Yeah, yeah we fancy out here. Uh, oh, that's true. Do you want my sparkling water? I, nah, 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 it's only right. It's only right. I don't think it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the phenomenal woman. Okay, so I think I may have been able to brief maybe one of you about this, but the way this goes is that we talk for a bit, and then the people here, based on our conversation, based on what they know of you, they get to ask you questions and, and dig a little deeper into you guys. So, Angie. I'm going to start with you, okay? Angie, Angie Rose. Um, I want to say that I've known you or known about you, I would say maybe three years now for about. Um, I think my first real encounter with you was at Rap Fest in the Bronx maybe a couple of years back, flicked it up, that type of thing. Um, and I've seen you in, in, in a bunch of places. And you've been known to like drop songs here, videos here, appear on collaborations here, kind of like dip and dab. But on the 28th of this month, we're going to have, would it, would it be fair to say like your first, not say album, but your first project, your first body collection of music called Sipping Coffee in the Bakery. I want to I wanna know, Ooh. yeah, it's nice, right? Sipping Coffee in the Bakery. Because there's so much to that title because, you know, there's a lot of things that you're associated with. You think you're associated with being unstoppable. Um, you obviously love your coffee. Like, I, I actually was thinking about maybe I should show up with some coffee, but I don't know what type of coffee you have. And, and coffee is a very meticulous thing. I don't want to get the coffee wrong, that kind of thing, right? So, so let's talk about sipping coffee in the bakery. Like, what's that? It's like. Can everybody hear her? Yep. I can hear her. Yep. All right. There you go. I got it. Um, this is, it's going to be the first, I guess, body of work or compilation of music. Um, but it's a mixtape, so it's, mm. it's, to be quite honest, like, um, a part of the promo behind it is, like, I wrote it in five days. Um, I just got super frustrated. Like, I was, I went through a lot of, like, contractual stuff and a lot of delays, and, like, I lost a ton of music. Really? Um, yeah. Mm. And I just was, 
uh, I got hit up by a friend um, whose little brother, whose younger brother was um, like getting into production. Okay. And so they sent me the beat and I was like, yo, this is dope. And then they kept sending me stuff. And I was like, bruh, we should just do something. And they were like, word. So they sent me all these beats and then I just started writing. And then um, we ended up knocking out like five five tracks. And I was like, yo, let's just do it. And so it, it just, it was a random like, all right, let's just make something happen type of project, which is why I'm very like, it's a mixtape. Right. Because it's not um, the meticulous type of uh, like, what I have in mind for the EP uh-huh. is very, very hip-hop. Like, the first track on there has no structure. I just rapped on it. And then, like, the last four bars, I started singing a little bit. Like, I was just chilling. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm nervous, but I'm more excited. And the, and the people that sent music to you, um, the people that sent music to you, um, they're known as The Bakery. Yeah. Is, that, is that correct? Yeah. It's funny, because I did the research, and mm-hmm. I was just like, how ironic that coming together, yeah. just one of those God moments is Definitely. like coffee, bakery, breakfast, nice. Yes, Okay, yes. cool. Did you, was, was that another thing that you caught on to like almost immediately? No, actually. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. funny. Um, the, that's crazy. Yeah, no, we didn't even notice. Um, we, we had the music done and then we made the title. Mm. And we were like, yo, since it's a collab, why don't we just merge Brand. brands? Nice. Speaking of merging brands, right, um, and I'm not sure if you see, I, I know I saw him earlier, I know the saga is somewhere around here recording, um, you did a song with him, about a, would you say it's a year, maybe two years back, called Bright Lights? Yeah. Um, and then you out of nowhere, you know, because, you know, Angie just pops up on your timeline if you, like, follow her, just stuff, like, okay, and you had this thing called Bright Lights Acoustic. Now, two things really intrigued me about this. Um, Me being an avid music head myself, like, one thing I love, and I don't know if anybody here is a fan of it, I'm a big fan of the Unplugged series. Mm. So, Unplugged series, you've seen, I've seen Tori Amos Unplugged, I've seen Cranberries Unplugged, I've seen a gang of grunge groups, like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all these people doing classic Unplugged, right? But... Not too many hip-hop until Jay-Z did it with The Roots. So anytime I hear hip-hop broken down in its like most raw form, I'm always excited. And then what got me really excited is that the fact that o- um, Odane yeah. got involved in it. I was like, I saw like, I, I like how you kind of like rolled out the credits. and like, okay, this guy did graphics. This, Odane, oh snap, like yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm in, you know? So how did you and Odane <laughs> come together as far as like doing that? That, that particular version of that song? Well, Odane has um, his scene called The Ology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd start, I, I think I got booked for it um, early on. And then we just like kept meeting around. Like he's from the Bronx. Um, different people knew him. And so we became friends. Like mm-hmm. just like actual conversations, sitting down. Like I had a meal with him in his house. Like just vibing. Um, and then we were like, You know Yo. it's real when you sit down in somebody's house you know and what have, I'm a, saying? have a meal. Like, we, um, we, we eating together. So we just kind of vibed and then we were like, yo, we should try this. Like, I had it in mind for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But I was super nervous. I'm very, like, insecure about the singing thing. So I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, everybody knows me as, like, a rapper. Like, right. Um, but I was just, again, a result of, like, I just want to do it. Like I don't, I don't care no more. Like after everything, you you go through enough stuff, you you start to like, man, listen, I'm gonna just do, do what it. I feel like doing. Um, and so we did that. Like that that take actually, we had 
walked into the studio and they were trying to figure out how to plug him in. Right. And I, did, I was just testing the mic. I didn't even know they were recording. Right. Which is why at the end, I'm like, tell me somebody caught it. Yes, I heard that. Because we that walked really in cool. and just started singing and he started playing and, and my engineer was like, oh my God, oh my God. And he plugged everything up and he got everything in time. And so we just kept the organic moment. That's dope. It was fun. I heard saying something like that, and 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 I don't know if you can relate to this too. Um, I heard this is a myth. I don't know if this is a true story, but I heard that um, Whitney Houston's "I Will Always Love You" that that rendition was the first take. Wow. The one that we hear, that was the first take. Like somebody, she. So I'm just gonna test it out, and I guess somebody was like, "No, we're gonna record this," <laughs> and that was like the first take. So it's kind of like when I thought of, when I, I thought of that once you said that. Um, I feel like in a way, though, so it's interesting that you say that you were insecure about your singing and insecure about the other aspects of your art because I feel like you've been kind of walking people through. Like, I've seen you on the keys. I've seen you sing, you know, so I, I'm not foreign to it, and I think anybody who's following you really closely is not foreign to it, but what is it that makes you not so sure, but at some point you was just like, bump it, I'm just go for it? Um, well, I grew up in church, so... Um so that side of me was very, like, real. Like, I, I learned to play the keys because they didn't have anybody to play the keys. Um, mm -hmm. I started singing because they didn't, you know, they didn't really have, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> we had, like, the old Spanish lady, like, hey, boy. And I was like, ah, <laughs> we got to fix this. Um, <laughs> so I started trying to figure it out. Um, but, like, some of my, all my sisters sing. And, like, my best friend was, like, low-key a hater when we were younger. And so, like, they had a lot of opinions that just... My bad, I love you now. Like, <laughs> she not watching, but I don't know why I looked at the camera like, yo, just in case you see just this. Just in case. It's all good. Um, but yeah, so it, it, I just was always, like, it made me shy away from it. And I think that that was because everybody sang, so everybody had an opinion. Um, but when it came to rapping, like, there was no, like, most of my life, there was no girl rappers. So, like, whenever I did something, like, people's reactions was like, oh. So I just immediately, like, oh, this is my thing. And so I threw away singing, thinking that that meant singing wasn't my thing. Mm -hmm. um, and as I'm just maturing and, like, coming into my own, I'm just like, yo, I just love music, like, right. as a whole. So, yeah. like, let me just do music. Like, and so that's where I'm at. Like, I, now I tend to sing on, like, almost all the hooks on my records. Or right. I'm just trying to get more confident. And, um, like, now my goal is to mold that side of me the same way I've done with the rap. Okay. Um, so like I'm I'm getting involved in my worship team in my church again, which was a whole d crazy thing. Mm -hmm. um, vocal lessons, like I'm just I want to become uh, as versatile. I want to be versatile, but but do everything well, not just right. be like oh she does everything. Like more like nah she does it's everything, but it sounds good. Wow. And so you know. Yeah. On some Lauren Hill stuff. That's the thing I I loved about Lauren. Lauren. Like proficient vocalist, proficient lyricist, like just all around, you know? Um, you mentioned contractual issues before. Um, without delving too deep into that, because I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's probably parts of that you do or don't want to share, however you feel comfortable saying it, but how frustrating, especially as an independent artist, how frustrating is that to be in the midst of those things that really don't have anything to do with the music? Yeah. You're just like, I just want to get to the music. Why do I have to like, What's this? Well, so obviously f super frustrating. Um, but skipping past all the nonsense and like, I think now what it's done for me is created like character. Um, I'm, I'm more confident when I walk into a meeting now. I'm more confident about what I want and what I don't want. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've grown in discernment. 
Um, I've had some really great opportunities, like people that have been like in these like labels or like working with like you know these organizations that we everybody wants to work with, and right. and I I fight it honestly, but mm-hmm. um, God has been like, yo, that's not like pass, um, and I have to listen because of the one time that I didn't, when I saw an opportunity and felt the like, don't do that, and I still was like, nah, it's like God, if I pray a lot, maybe. Like, you know, if I, if I, like, you know, stay real close to you, then maybe. And seeing that, like, the best opportunity without God is still the worst one. Um, Can you say that again? That's the, so profound. Like, sips that. coffee. I'm about to quote that. <laughs> no, um, the best opportunity without God is still the worst one. Um, but, again, like, always looking past the nonsense. Like, so looking back now, I can see what God did even through that. And that's why I fully believe in, like, his sovereignty. So, like, um... I made the wrong decision, but he used that wrong decision to create character, which was necessary anyway. Um, somebody asked me the other day about uh, like delays and things like that, and I was speaking about like the speed bumps that ended up um, creating like the perfect timing. Um, because a lot of times our talent will take us somewhere that our character can't keep us. Amen. And so um, I think that the journey. Um, oftentimes what God is developing in you is the character and the foundation to carry the weight of the blessing. Um, and so I'm praying that that's where I'm at now. Gotcha. That's cool. I got one more question for you before I move on to the other ladies. Um, and even in those situations, um, how did it feel when, whether it's a business dealing or an artistic situation, were there ever situations where you felt underestimated just off the sake of you being a woman? Oh, yeah. That comes with the territory. I like it, though. Um, I always tell people I look at it like a slingshot because they pull you back so far that you can be mediocre and still go far. And you find that even in Christian circles. Yeah. Yeah. Almost more. Mm. Why more, you think? I think we're just used to men leading in church. And I think a lot of people don't know how to deal with a woman that can be respectful but still know what she's talking about. Gotcha. Okay. Speaking of people who knows what they're talking about, Ms. Hambrick, let's talk to you. Um, man, I don't, I don't even know exactly how to start. I think I just want to go back to a conversation that I actually had with Isaiah. You know Isaiah Graves? Yeah, yeah. me and Isaiah actually was coming from, I think we were actually in this area. We were walking past the Dunkin' Donuts, and we were talking about you, and we were talking about your project, and, you know, we was talking about the fact that, man, and I, I remember telling him about my excitement about your project with the group, Vray, and what was happening there, and um, I think the album had just debuted at number one on Gospel Charts, all that, we were just in the midst of conversation, and then Isaiah said, bro, you have no idea how long and how much it took for that project to even come into fruition. I'm like, really? It's like, yeah, I mean, without, you know, and he just kind of like, this was a process. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't get into specifics, but he just assured me that it was a process. So before I even talk about the songs um, and what's the difference between then and now, like, tell me about that process. What is it like? Because I realized also, and I'm up on Lavray late, there were six of you at some point, right? At one point, it was about 12, to be honest, because the band was a part of the group. We didn't separate the band from the group. So at one point, it was a whole lot of us. Okay. And um, then the band, as we started growing apart, as people do, 
um, the band decided they wanted to go on tour with some other artists and they were R&B artists and hip hop artists like 50 Cent and all type of people. And we were very proud of them. It, initially it hurt to have to let them go, but it took them very far as a band and their name is Electric Mayhem. Um, I did a song yeah, yeah, we, we, we with get them. To that. Okay. Um, I love how things go full circle. Mm -hmm. Like the connection was never lost. So, yeah, Amen. we broke up with them, and then it was just I want to say six, like you said, mm -hmm. two in each section, and then um, some could not take the pressure of what it takes to be an artist. Um, it's much different from just singing in a church. When you take it to the world, it's completely different. And the gospel industry is very, right. <laughs> so, and one thing I love about LaVray, we're not afraid to talk about what it's really like in that industry. Um, it's terrible, just to be honest. Um, it's shysty, yes. And nobody's really looking out for each other. Everybody just wants to stay on top, which is cool. But um, after losing some people because they couldn't take the pressure that it took. Um, some went solo, some got other opportunities from other gospel artists like James Fortune and right. things like that. So the group just started really falling apart and that was in like 2013. Okay. Um, yeah, 2013. But we decided to stay together anyway. The group went down to two people. Nobody else knows that but us. We were creating an album for at least seven years and wait, sometimes wait, wait, wait. it was... sorry. I hate to stop you. So yeah. you... It was just two of you creating that project. It was just two of us at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, continue. <laughs> All right. I just um, have to stop for a second. Yeah, it was just myself and if anybody knows Malik Spence. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So he was helping me I was helping him create this whole album that sounds like six people when it's really two. Wait. I can't. <laughs> My mind is so blown right now. <laughs> so you're telling me that all the voices on that album that, that I got listened to, whatever, it's almost just two people. Most, most of it. Um, what I decided to do as a vocal producer of the album and one of the producers, I decided to... Um, really try my best to get them to sing leads while we did all the backgrounds. So Ariel was in college. Uh, Richard Talbert, he had a niece who, you know, their, his, their mother could not take care of them, so he ended up being like a father. So he couldn't be there as much. Right. And um, Kenny, happened, yeah, yeah, to everybody. And me and Malik were just super dedicated, and we wanted to just bring it home for everybody. So we ended up doing a lot of things, just us two. That's why it took so long, you know, for it to come out, along with other, you know, things that were going on. So that, with you saying that, that's going to segue really great into my <laughs> questions, because there's certain songs um, just from a, a, a vocal aesthetic. Like, mm -hmm. I think about um, J-E-S-U-S. -S. Mm -hmm. And I think about um, Jericho. Right. And I love Jericho. But the thing I really love about that song is just outside of the message and outside of just how you interpreted the walls of Jericho coming down, mm -hmm. it's also just the harmonies yeah. at the end. Mm -hmm. Like with Jericho, it's a very subtle, but it moves you. Mm -hmm. It's goosebump-ish. And then, um, and then with, with J-E-S-U-S, it starts off like, you know, the type of, urban gospel that you would listen to, but then it just 
yeah. rises. Mm-hmm. Like, where did that come from? Like, well, JESUS was written when I was about 17. Um, me and Rich wrote it together back then. I don't know how it lasted till the album, but um, it started off with Rich right in the beginning, and everybody was laughing at them at him because they hated it. <laughs> so me, I, I saw some potential in it, so I took it home, and I started writing to it, and I called Rich like, I got another part, and it ended up coming up to coming out to be really, really great. So that's how that song, yeah. And everywhere we went, like, that was the song everybody wanted to hear. So J-E-S-U-S, that's that. Um, With Jericho, that was really weird because it was supposed to be a pop record. I was supposed to lead it. Um, And then it just started going left. Like, the producer played Mahalia Jackson. Mm -hmm. And it just literally started getting darker. Like the sound, you know, pop is really bright at times. Um, but it just started getting darker and darker. And we were yeah, like, oh, my God, this is cool. Like it sounds like warfare music, gospel music. It really does, yeah. And I called Rich because he wasn't at the studio. Again, it was just me and Malik creating the record. Um, I called him. I said, I really need you for this one. I need you to come. He was like, you know what? God gave me some words the other day. So I'm going to come with those words. I don't have a melody. We were like, cool, let's see if it matches. Right. He gets there. Um, that's all praise and glory be to El Shaddai. These are the words that God gave him, and he threw it on the song. And it was just like, it doesn't, it's crazy that you were in sync with us, even though you weren't, you weren't here as we were creating the album. So um, after that, Malik came up with the verses, um, and then I came up with the chorus, and it just. Crazy. Yeah, and with the harmony thing with LeVray, you have to imagine there's five people who all hear harmony. Um, I lay down one thing, somebody else is going to lay down something else crazy, and it just kind of grows from there. Yeah, gotcha. Um, One more song I want to talk about off the album before I get into like the solo stuff that you've done. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a song you have, Watch Me Rise, Mm -hmm. and Watch Me Rise from the Ashes. What would you say are the ashes for you guys that you guys rose from? So many. Um, I would have to say people didn't expect us to go as far as we did. And that's what the song was really talking about. It was like, just watch me. Like, y'all talking now, but just just watch us. We're going to get to a certain place. Um, I have to say the gospel industry was not very welcoming to LeVray. Could be because we were really different. Could be because we were from New York. There's not a lot of New York artists in the gospel industry that's like killing it. It's Hezekiah Walker and that's it, you know? So um, that's what the song was about and that's the ashes that we were trying to rise from. Everybody's opinion. People were copying our flyers, our how we dressed and they were getting more, you know, attention. Yeah. yeah. And they would never give love to us. And we just wanted to put that out there that we're going to rise from all of this mess. So I think we did. Uh, I think so too. Um, well, as we, as we're on the gospel industry, so here's the juxtaposition that I found with you saying that. And also something that you said before, like, I remember, I don't know if you even remember me commenting on this, but like maybe a year ago, maybe around the time your album came out, um, you were pretty much speaking and talking in defense of gospel music. Gospel music being supported, people buying gospel music, you know what I'm saying? Like making that industry flourish. It's like, hey, if you want to see it thrive, you got to go to iTunes, stream, do whatever you got to do, mm-hmm. 
and, and, and I think you had like maybe 100 plus comments talking about it. Like, yo, you had a nice little dialogue about it. And then you got that feeling, but then you go into the actual industry, and for lack of a better term, it's shysty. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's like I'm trying to defend y'all, but I don't even feel welcomed here. Like, and I mean, there's so many questions I could pick out of that, but, but I think the most direct thing is like, did it hurt you? Like, what it, like, what's your feeling about it? Like, do you feel like you belong? Oh, absolutely not. I don't feel like me personally, I belong in that, that industry. Um, just because of the call that God has on my life and the assignment. But as far as Livray, I thought we were a pretty good fit of, you know, changing what gospel was. Every now and then you have an artist that changes the whole, you know, feel of what that genre is and takes it to the next level. We just weren't accepted. What, what is gospel? Well, what, from your perception, what does that scene look like? What, what is that gospel? Like, what is that? You're talking about that industry. What yeah, does that look that. like? Um, <laughs> everybody is focused on having a polished, like, outside or finish, but they're not actually that person inside. Um, meeting them face-to-face, -face, they wouldn't really speak. I sat right across from, and I'm not afraid to say, Tasha Cobbs sat right across from her. I've seen her several, several times. She would not speak. She knows who I am. She knows who LaVray is. Would, like, refuse to speak to us. And that is it's, it's hurtful. Um, I listen to your music. There have been plenty of times where chains have broken off of me listening to your voice and your anointing and to think that you don't even have the love that Christ really says that we should have. You know what I mean? He says that our love will draw people to him. And we don't even have that part. But we have the voice and we have the polished finish. And that's a, it's, it's a deception. And really um, having to accept that these artists are not the people that they look like they are, that was hard for us. Even at Stellar's, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, I was about to ask you about your Stellar's experience. You all look great on the carpet. Thank you. Kill that. Red dress. I <laughs> Thank see you. you. <laughs> Um, nah, but yeah, I mean, that has to be like very bittersweet. It's like you're nominated for a Stella Award. I'm sure pretty much every, I mean, we saw Bizzle and The Truth and a couple of guys representing Christian hip hop at the Stella Awards. Anybody would want to be at the Stella Awards, but that was a bittersweet moment. For you. Absolutely. Um, when they said the uh, different people who were the categories, yeah. yeah. Um, people started shouting our name, and for a moment, we all were like, wait, we might win this. <laughs> like, oh my God, because um, all of the artists that do love us were screaming our names, and also the fans, and when they called out the person who did win, no shade on her, because she's amazing. When they did call her, um, everybody was a little confused, because she's a lot newer than we are, and we've never, we're still... New artists, people had an argument about that too because it's like, y'all been around for 10 years, how can y'all be in the new artist category? Mm -hmm. But it's all about your first album. And we put up our- breakthrough, right. breakthrough project. Yeah. yeah, it was our first album and we kinda a little bit expected to grab that one. Um, and Bobby Jones actually turned around to us and said, you know what guys, like don't worry about that loss because it wasn't a loss. It's really how the gospel industry is. You guys would have never won that even if you were better or, you know what I mean? And I was just looking like, what? <laughs> like, uh, I mean. Y'all would have never won it. No, he was saying 
because of how the industry is, he said, don't even worry about that loss because you really did win, mm. if that makes sense. Um, he was just saying the industry has their, their way of not giving people, you know, what they're due. Yeah, I, I know I've had many a conversation with myself and other people who are like, like I, I really try to encourage people not to make what you do as an artist about winning an award. Absolutely. Like, really. Like, I mean, I'm not saying if you're nominated and you win, don't be happy is, hey, and, and change your bio, like Grammy nominated or Grammy award, please do. But don't make it the be all and end all because it could be, it, you could be crushed and you could be crushed for all the wrong reasons. Right. You know, that's crazy. I was just saying to somebody recently, cause they were like, don't worry about the awards. And these are for other artists. Um, I was saying if I go to high school and I walk across that podium and they don't give me my, you know. Diploma? Yeah. I'm going to be like, I did all of that. And you mm -hmm. couldn't at least acknowledge the fact that I worked hard enough to, you know, receive that. So I do understand the people who want to receive the mm -hmm. award. You work hard for it. And just because it's gospel doesn't mean we shouldn't want to deserve, you know. Accolades. Yeah. And I, I have that argument often on Facebook, but I think gospel artists deserve it as well. Yes, it's about God, but there's some work that's put into that, mm -hmm. and you should be awarded for it. Right. It's Give true. honor where honor is. Do, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so you talked about being on a different assignment. This is my, my last two questions for you before I get into a bunch of group questions. Um, your solo work, uh, Children of Love. Um, titanium, ready aim. Um, now I love Titanium, the original. That's like one of my favorite pop songs. I like a lot of pop music. Just, just for the record, I love it. Um, I do. I realize that about myself. You know how, like, you know, as rappers or people that's doing alternative types of music, it's like you ain't trying to listen to no Selena Gomez. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, that's an actually well-written pop song. That's good. I sing it all the time. You know what I'm saying? But. I love Titanium, but what you did with it, and then you flipped into this other thing. I forget who does it originally. Like I truly do, and I feel like it really is a great showcase of your voice. Like your voice has this very piercing quality. Mm -hmm. Like not piercing in a bit. Like ooh, like you know, like nails in the chalkboard. Mm -hmm. Not that. <laughs> I'm talking about like just it cuts through in a very visceral, attentive, but pleasing way. Like, that's why when I was, you know, me and Evie was listening to the, to the, to the music, and he was like, yo, I can't even tell who she is. It's like, no, I can totally tell who she is, because I know the voice. And it's like, um, yeah, you just have this thing. So tell me about those songs, and how do they fit into the assignment you feel God's placed on your, on your life to change music? Well, with... Um, Children of the Love, it was a testimony, to be honest, of the battle of love and lust. Um, sometimes, as young people, we can't even figure out which is which. Like, we're really confused on um, whether it's just lust or whether it's love. And I was in a situation where I was willing to give up everything just to be in this relationship with this person that I really feel like now is just a lust thing. And um, if you look up lust and the, the spiritual side, like the spirit of lust, you're willing to do a lot of things that you would never, ever do. And I started noticing that's what that relationship was. And I wanted to write a song about it. In gospel, you're not going to hear a song about love and lust, something that real. 
You know what I'm saying? Everything is just perfect. You know what I mean? So I, I really want to be that artist, and I believe that God has placed on my heart to be the artist to bring the truth about certain dark situations that we face behind worship and behind leaving the church with a smile on your face. Like, what are you really facing? Yeah. And um, I think people are really going to get delivered from hearing the truth about, you know, life. Gotcha. So you're, you're trying to, like, like, do you want to be labeled? Like, do you want to be... Hey, you're a gospel artist, or do you want to make music and just have people kind of just figure it out? It, it's sad that when you hear gospel, you hear, like, you see a box. Well, that's what I see. It's like, that's as far as you can go if you have the gospel label on you. And I think the message is way bigger than what, you know what I mean, than what it appears to be. Um, so I don't want to be labeled as a gospel artist. Mm. R&B either, to be honest. Yeah, because I could see you doing rock. I can see you doing. Oh, that would be dope. <laughs> I can see you. Can yeah. See you. There's little elements yeah. I hear in your music that I feel like, yeah, it could go. Even on LeRae, like mm. there's certain songs, like I think it's a song called Perception that has that feel to it that doesn't necessarily bend totally to gospel. Right. Like, totally mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that Jericho went dark. You know what I'm saying? So. But honestly, like, what is gospel? Mm. I, I really want to ask somebody to just answer that question real quick before we, does anybody know what gospel is? What the message is? Bringing the good news. Have you ever read the Bible? There are so many different books in that Bible and we stick to one little part. We write songs about one small part. You know what I mean? And we don't get deep. There's songs of Solomon. There's so many beautiful books. Um, my favorite book, I can't even think of it off the top of my head, sorry. But there are so many books about wisdom and, and love, and we don't write songs about that, and we think that gospel is just the two books in the back. You know what I mean? So I, I think we need to really broaden you know, what we're talking about and really read the Bible and really bring that to life through our music. So, yeah. Got you. Well, again, I love how the segues flow, because speaking of people not limiting their choices of subject matter to just two books in the Bible, Hi, Leah. Hey, everyone. <laughs> All right, so Leah, if, again, if you guys are familiar with my Tumblr, I have a whole article that I did with Leah about last year, like a full full article, questions, answers, whole thing. But I want to do a little something different with you. Um, if How many people follow Leah James on Facebook? Pretty much everybody. Thanks, All right, guys. so you know Leah is very outspoken. And I love it. It's like a level of transparency I've barely seen. Um, and I'm just going to ask you questions based on your statuses. Oh, God. I got like. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this moment was going to come in my life. But I didn't know. <laughs> you didn't think it was going to be it. <laughs> no one record this, all right? No, so no. I got it. No, no. I got, if you look at my phone, I have dates. I, I have get out Yeah, I do. Here. I totally do. Um, right, I may have gotten this. 20 of them, but I'm let's not going to ask this. all 20. Um, <laughs> so good. Um, okay. So on April 19th, like, no, like, I got dates. April 19th, I remember this guy at my old job told me, wow, I really thought you were a privileged white girl who had everything handed to her and you had an attitude because you were spoiled. How'd you feel when so, you got that? 
I worked at Panera Bread at the time. I hated working there. It was trash. Okay, their food is great. The management <laughs> is trash. That's been my word like for three weeks now, and I love it. Trash. But um, so I walked into work at that time. I was, I believe, I got kicked out of my brother's house. I had no place to live. Um, I was moving in with my friend's mom. I lived with her in the back of a trailer in a small room, with it, I could fit only one bin of my clothes. Sleeping on a bed that wasn't mine, with a hole in the ceiling above me where when it would rain it would leak on me. Like I was in a really crazy situation, and nobody knew. A lot of people still don't know that I was living that. Like I was living there right before I made it into rhetoric. Like so. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was pissed off. I was at work. I had to wake up at four in the morning to go there. And a customer got an attitude with me. And I'm in the back, like, going off. And he's like, what's wrong with you? You got your life made. You have an attitude. I said, excuse me? I went off on him. I was like, you don't know me. I was like, when I was 13, my mom died. I went in and told him my whole life. I was like, when I was 13, my mom died. And I had to move out here. And I got kicked out when I was 15. And I've been homeless on and off. And I've been kicked out almost every place that I've lived. I've been told that I would be nothing. I said, how dare you? And he was like, Wow. Right, because. I'm really sorry. And then I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go off on you like that. And then I was crying and I was like, I didn't mean to go off on you like that. I'm just sick of people thinking that just because I'm white, I got my life made. And he was like, honestly, that's what I thought. Mm. And he was like, you carry yourself like you haven't been through that. And he was like, until like I see you snap. He's like, you know, or get angry. He's like, I don't know why you're angry. So I just assumed that you were spoiled. And I was like, nah, man, I'm not. And he was like, wow. And he literally like had tears in his eyes and gave me a hug. And it wasn't like a pity hug. It was like a I feel like a jerk for judging you type hug Empathy. thing. And I'm really sorry. And then we yeah. became super cool. And like to this day when I see him in public, I'm like, Manny, I was good. Like we're like the greatest of friends. But it took like that breakdown for me to be like, look. Like, you know, in order mm-hmm. to say that. But I get that quite a lot. So as you say that, right, because you mm-hmm. talked about in another status, um, you said, I slept on an air mat- mattress for seven, one- seven months once while working full-time hours at a part-time trash job. Um, I'm performing on weekends and dying inside. Yep. Can you imagine? You're rocking the stage, but you're just in a, in a bad place. Um, I lived off of oatmeal, eggs, and chips for months. Three S's on the months. Four. Um, I've learned to ask for help when needed. I pushed through all of this while balancing a memory issue, a brain injury, and depression. I've done this all with no parental support and guidance. Guy has truly been my foundation and shelter. He has placed the exact people in my life at the exact right time. I'm telling you, there's nothing you can't overcome when you live your life for the purpose of God and to help humanity. Wow. Awesome. Just you reading that, I'm like, dang, that what, that's me. That's crazy. Speaking of you, so, and, and, and this is actually going to segue into a question I know that um, my guest interviewer has, but um, let's talk about this. April 21st, if a woman's shoulders is enough to send you into a lustful downward spiral, you need Jesus, the real one, LOL, or therapy. <laughs> All right, so my religious background, a lot of people don't know, I come from the apostolic church. So for me to go into the church that I was part of for 10 years dressed like this, I'd probably get laid hands on and people think I need the Holy Ghost. Kevin knows he's been to my church quite a few times. That's how um, he knows me before, like, poetry blew up for me. So shout out to Kevin. But um, 
So I went to a really, really strict apostolic church where um, women could only wear skirts, and if you wore a skirt, your knees could not be shown. Um, you could not wear makeup. You could not wear jewelry. You couldn't cut your hair. Um, and all of these things have scriptural background that were just um, interpreted tremendously incorrectly, and I believed it. So, you know, I started going to church after my mom died, so I'm vulnerable, and I'm hearing all these teachings, and I wanted to do whatever I could to get closer to God. So I followed all those rules to the T. I even told my best friend once that God was not going to use her because she had French tips on her nails. Why did I tell her that? Because I was told that. I was a sign language interpreter. I showed up to church, and I showed up to sign, and someone told me I couldn't sign because I had on French tips. I wanted to serve God so bad, I went into the bathroom and took off all my nail polish just so I could interpret. And it was crazy. Like, And I remember being taught these things. So now, um, being who I am, learning that I am a woman and wearing a skirt and not wearing makeup, none of that equates modesty. None of it equates holiness because I was not a holy person wearing a skirt and doing it all and still in ministry at church. There's a lot of things that I dealt with that my attire did not equal holiness. So I was doing all these things, and um, now, you know, I'm embracing my own style, who I truly am. There's churches to this day who will never book me. I've been unfollowed on Facebook. I've been blocked. I've been unfriended. I have people that I was once like this with who won't even speak to me. So I started pursuing, like, this modeling thing. Yeah, I was about to say, because I've seen you doing yeah. that, and so, that, and um, is it, that liberating for you? Very. So I used to hate myself. Like, this question is, like, really loaded, but I used to hate myself. I used to hate the way I looked. I hated my teeth. Um, I still struggle with that. Sometimes I still want braces, but um, I feel like I'm still cute with crooked teeth. Y'all didn't even know my teeth was crooked until I mentioned it. (laughs) And um, so, like, I I used to get made fun of for my nose, for my body. So I grew up in the hood. I'm the only few skinny white chicks, you know. I had no body up until, like, two weeks ago. (laughs) I'm so serious. And I got that because I work out. Like... (laughs) So I got made fun of really bad, like, for everything. So I hated myself. So I was like, you know, when I was younger, before, like, life tainted me, I used to be very outgoing and very outspoken. And I was like, you know, I might want to be a model one day. And then I was taught to hate myself. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm on this really big self-love journey. So I want to weigh, since I'm a public speaker and a poet by profession and full-time, I want a way to speak without speaking. So when I do my photo shoots, it's not because I'm full of myself or I think I'm the most beautiful person. No, I want people to see my strength and my beauty and my confidence without me even opening my mouth. And um, I've gotten that feedback from a lot of my pictures. They're like, you could see your strength or your confidence just from looking at your picture. So I put that status up because my last photo shoots that I did, it's insinuated nudity. I'm not naked. My, like, homie took the pictures from me. And, um... (laughs) I had on a tank top and I like tucked in the sleeves. So it's just my shoulders and the way he edited it, it looks like I'm naked. So I posted these pictures and it was like, I couldn't wait to post these pictures. I'm like, yes, ha. Like, cause a lot of people from my church are still on my Facebook. So I'm like, you I just want to do it to them. I can't I'm wait. Do it to you. I can't wait to do I'm it. And like a lot of churches are probably going to be like, oh, and we paid her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. But um, so I posted this picture and I just made a joke because my shoulders are out and I just knew that. I remember there was a time where, like, 
I would wear freaking pants under my skirts in gym class because I didn't want to wear just pants. I joined the step team in my high school, and I was co-captain, by the way. Yes. Um, and I asked my pastor for permission to wear jeans, like pants. Like, I remember almost not taking a job because the job required me to wear pants. So, and like the whole scope of modesty, my, the way I view modesty has changed. There is nothing wrong with me showing my shoulders. There is something wrong with a man wanting to have sex with me because my shoulders are out. There's a problem with that. There's an over-sexualization of women, and we're taught to appease men. I'm taught to cover up because there's a man who's going to want to do me. No, like, don't want to do me. Like, stop it. Like, quit it. Like, get it. You're not 13. You're 29. Like, you Yo, know what I'm saying? Like, or so, older. So, God. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm stepping a little ahead, but, um, but yeah, as so, you said that, right, I remember back in 2014, I was writing a song around that time that actually addressed this. <laughs> Like I was like I was writing a song, I was writing a song for my album and I, and I actually spoke on this like in about four bars and it was the whole Erica Campbell white dress thing. I don't know if y'all remember that. And it's like when I saw the outrage, the fake outrage and all that, like I'm just like That kind of plays off like the image that Ajanae's or I keep on say like your name. Ajani. Ajani. Ashley, I know you. Like we're friends and stuff, and I'd be saying her name wrong all the time. But um, I feel like the image that she um is talking about the church portraying, like this image of perfection, this image of women not being sexual beings, this woman's uh, image of like all this stuff that like in the world is normal. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I, and if that makes sense. Like in the world, it's not like oh she got on a tight dress. Oh my god, what you know? Like all those things that are like normal, like in the church or in to portray that image is like completely untouchable, and people forget that. Er, She's a she's a human being with a body that's banging, and why would she, why would does she have to cover it up? Like, and I don't, and I was like, I was really shocked by the outrage. I'm like, like oh, covered up in such extreme measures. Extreme measures. Really. Like, I'm not all for like, I'm not gonna walk around with like. There's limits. My nipples out or something. Right. Like, There's limits. I was trying to think, what are my limits now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not gonna show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm yeah, not yeah, gonna yeah. be like, cause people in New York, I'm not, I don't live out here. People out here, that's, I, I think that's like why. I think that's, outfit on, I I like, think that's why when I when I when I when I saw the arrogant thing, I was like, really? Because right. I live in New York, I see all kinds of like, yeah. really? You and know, maybe so. it's like, cause like the majority, I don't know, a lot of the Christian population in the country is not in New York. Like you know, it's like across the country, and they're very conservative. Like I'm from point. Illinois, yeah. and um, they're super still conservative. Like out here, it's very liberal, yeah. and I see that in my own thinking just from living out here for so long. So. Um, speaking of liberal thinking, so I actually had one more question from your status. Actually, let me ask that really quick. And before I get to this last question, um, so you said something to the effect of, I high-key love Jay-Z. High-key. Oh, yeah. I really like him a lot. Why? <laughs> I, feel, I, feel like I still listen to tracks that like I heard from And I know up, you I'm love like, Beyonce Yo. because I follow you on Insta stories and <laughs> listen, Beyonce. you did like about 10 snaps of like you just going in love on her. lemonade records <laughs> and, and single ladies. <laughs> So, like, like, my friends have this video from when I was, like, 17, right? And at the time, I was, like, super apostolic. And um, I was singing um, Irreplaceable. So, like, my yeah. friends are like, how do you know all the words to this song? And I'm like, I love Beyonce. So there's a video of me, like, dancing in, like, a sheet. Like, I've seen doing, it. And, um, no, 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 they didn't. This is, this is, like, back in the day, like, teenage years. Like, when I'm famous, I told them to sell that. Like, okay. they can get rich. Like, it's so funny. But I've loved Beyonce ever since, like, 
she became Beyonce. Like, I always loved her. I don't know why. She's just great. What about Jay? You know, I'm from Brooklyn, his so I'm, lyrics I'm, I'm with are, it. like, dope. Like, I still listen to his stuff, and I'm like, what? And it's a song that I've heard, like, a million times. And I just like it. I like his voice. I like his swag. I don't even know if people say swag anymore, but whatever. I like his style. I think he's original. Um, he's different, and he's... Like, you know how Beyonce has, like, this untouchable persona, kind of? I don't want to say he's, like, the male Beyonce, but in a way he is. Like, he's, like, they're both, like, very mysterious. And I think that's why I like it, because they're, like, the most famous, and still you don't know personal things about their life. Mm -hmm. And I I have an issue with, like, trying to be secretive and still being utterly transparent. And I, like, I like that, that they can do that. Gotcha. Um, One last question for you. Uh... And it's funny you mentioned lyrics, because you're full of them. You're a poet. You're a great poet. Um, and, and obviously, some of the, the, the biggest ones that you put out um, include Dear Black Man, mm-hmm. right? Um, how has Dear Black Man changed your life since you put it out? Um, I think it revealed a part of me to a, the world that um, a lot of people didn't know existed. And um, it made me realize that a lot of people who were for me are not. And that they're okay with me being quiet, white little Leah, who's different. And not okay with me being, like, white Leah, who is black power. Like, and authentically that. Mm-hmm. And not putting on a show. Like, this is me. Like, I've been this my whole life. Like, whole life. Do you feel like you've had to convince people yes. over the course of time? Like, always <laughs> convince, it's always, annoying. like... I, feel, I can only imagine it's like, you put a picture up showing strength and everybody's like no yeah. you're just trying to be sexy for the gram <laughs> all the time every day it's annoying but um especially when it comes to racial issues so i'm from chicago i grew up in an all black neighborhood there was two white families on my street and right. we were one of them my mother was the mo- she was she was white but she was italian so she was like dark skin white like she was olive complexion like mm. so when i have memories of my mother i don't think white i think Anita, like I think my mom, like I'm not saying she wasn't a race, but she like the stereotypical white woman was not my mother. So I can't say like I come from a white woman because I don't. She's not that. She's not. She's not that. So she welcomed everyone into our home. We constantly had people living with us. So I have I often say that I have brothers of different colors. Um, we I had like three brothers named Mike, white Mike, black Mike and Mikey. One was white, one was black and one was Mexican. Mm. And they're all my brothers like to this day like they always comment on my stuff like inappropriate things. But um like Jermaine, Carlos, Armando, all of them like my brothers lived with me, watched me grow up. I had all these images of men of color that like were amazing to me. Where's my um sense of comfort? My my home. Like that's right. my home. So when I moved out here, I realized that, like, white people out here are not, like, white people where I'm from. They're not. Like, where I live. I live in Hamilton, Trenton area. Um, They're very racist. It's very segregated. It's very hateful. Um, I went to an all-white high school, so I went from, like, an all-black neighborhood. My mother passed away, moved to a multicultural home. My sister's husband's from Pakistan, and it was your complexion. So I lived in a multicultural, multiracial home, um, different religion, went to an all-white high school, and then I went to an all-black church. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, seriously, I was, like, living in this, like, racial utopia where everyone just loved each other because we all poor. Like, I got called white girl, but not, like, you cracker. Like, I got called, I got called a cracker the other day for the first time. 
Like for the first time with hate behind it. I got a crack. I got caught a cracker walking out in Harlem. It took every all yeah. my. That was energy. a status. That was a status I put up. That was a status and I took down. And then I put a status. I told the world, and then this chick made a status about me, calling me Becky. I said, "Girl, we will." <laughs> I said, you don't want these problems. Yo, Leah be trying to lay hands on Facebook. Man, <laughs> I be feeling it. I had to delete and block her because I was like, That's what? insane. So I'm just like, I say all of that to give all that background to say, dear black man comes from an authentic place. It's mm. not like I just look at black man like, oh, I want me a black man because, oh, no. Like, I never thought like that. I didn't even know people thought like that. And right. so people were like, oh, I know why you only date black guys. And I'm like, what? I don't. I don't, like at the time, like I ain't never been kissed. And people are like, why? Why do people? <laughs> I was so naive, like seriously. And then um, I released Dear Black Man. It got like thousands of views in one night. And I was like, oh my God. Like I didn't expect that. And it just hit over like 8,000 on my personal YouTube channel. And it's been out for a year, which is like a huge deal for me. Like, so thanks, man. So it changed my life. It put me in a spotlight in a different way. Um, I've had people telling me that I shouldn't get paid to perform Dear Black Man because I'm white. I've, yeah, people who were like, I was on the same poetry team with. I've had people tell me it was um, disrespectful that, you know, um, what black women say this all the time, but now that I'm a white woman saying it, I get applauded. And I'm like, well, where's your dear black man poem? <laughs> I don't see yours anywhere. I don't, why didn't you write it? Like, I'm serious. My man really done me wrong. <laughs> so I like I don't, I'm serious. Like, people get so mad, and I'm like, but you didn't say anything. Like, if you feel how I felt, like, why aren't you, you saying it? Drop a, drop a gem on them. Like, yeah, nah. so, I mean, um, it showed a lot of people's true colors, but at the same time, it's I've had people inbox me telling me that they've never loved themselves until they saw that poem. That they didn't know that there was white people out there who cared. That all these things that I'm like, that's crazy. crazy. Like, if I have to be that one person and have like a few haters, then that's fine. But there's people out there whose lives are being changed by being appreciated by my poem. That's crazy. So, yeah. Well, um, before I bring my, uh, my partner in crime to also interrogate y'all, I, uh, I want to ask a question of all three of you. So I was watching, um, I'm a big... Zane Lowe fan. He's a British journalist, and he's interviewed a bunch of like pop artists. And his latest subject was Kendrick Lamar, and I watched it last night. And um, Zane asked Kendrick about the fact that you know on this latest album you put out, you make it very clear that you affirm yourself as the best rapper alive. And it's like, yeah, I truly believe that. And it's like, why? And it's like, well, it's more than just the skill set and the work I put in. It's just I know that I have to be the best rapper alive because I know that everybody listening is hanging on my every word and hanging on every responsible thing that I'm trying to put in these songs. Like, I'm just not writing for the sake of writing. I'm realizing that I have a purpose here. So I need to be the best so that people can understand and get what I'm saying. So I found that to be like, yep. <laughs> so I, I, I really, I think I got the sense of, what I want to ask you guys from from Leah, for the most part, but I really want to ask um, Ajani and and Angie, like, what what do you why why do you do what you do? Why do you think why do you think you're here? Like, what's your purpose? What's your mission statement? Are you trying to be the best vocalist alive? Are you trying to be the best rapper alive for your own? Like, what's what's the story? Um, since I have the mic, I guess <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just uh, no explaining. Um. I don't know how many of you know this about me, but I'm not supposed to be alive. Um, I had a stroke when I was 16, and my brain was hemorrhaging for hours. 
So before that, I felt like I had no purpose. And I felt like I had nothing to offer the world, even though I was foolish, not foolish, but I was greatly mistaken at the time. Um, But I almost lost my life. And not only did I almost lose my life, like I'm literally medically not supposed to be here. Like I just got some paperwork in the mail the other day and I read it and I was speechless because I'm like, dude, like not only did I have a memory issue, I had a plethora of issues from this stroke. And um, from having my stroke, it pushed me to memorize my poetry because I'm the type of person you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to do everything in my power to do it. I'm super rebellious in a good way, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it pushed me to memorize my poetry and to pour out my heart. But if I didn't have that experience or if I didn't realize how precious my life was to God, I probably never would have pushed to do that. Once I overcame that, I realized there's probably nothing in my life that I cannot overcome. And if there's nothing in my life that I cannot overcome, there's nothing in your lives that you cannot overcome. And I have a mandate. My voice is not even supposed to exist. So every time I speak, I want people to feel God, no matter what I'm talking about, and to give them hope. Like, my whole message is hope. Like, there's nothing you can't overcome, and there's nothing in your life that should make you feel hopeless, because I've overcome it all. So my purpose, I don't care about being the best. Um... Like, I find myself getting a little envious of poets, like, going on tour and stuff like that. But I'm like, well, how much of a personal impact are they making Mm -hmm. um, one-on-one, you know? Like, you know, I find myself being envious, and I put myself in check. Like, no, this is my lane, and I'm called here to do this and Mm -hmm. to speak to this person and to change lives one by one by one. And God has been showing me that that's what I'm called to do. So I don't care about being the best. I don't think my lyrics are that great. I don't think, like... I have the best metaphors or similes or whatever. Like, I don't write like that. I write from what my heart says, and what I write is what's on the page. So my goal is to, like, literally bring people closer to God and closer to themselves. Okay. If that answers your question. No, that's, that's about it. Yeah, okay. no <laughs> Angie, how about you? Um, you look like you were really thinking about that. I think about it a lot. I, think, I was trying to, like, make it <laughs> concise. Like, how do I funnel... Um, I think part of the truth is like, um, like I have to like, like I've been doing this on accident my whole life, you know. Like when I was a kid, they used to bang beats in the school, and I just would rap, and it became a thing. Like I, be- I became like the popular kid in school just off of rapping, like out of nowhere. Um, in church, I they didn't have anybody. I did that. Um, my brother, like just so much about my life has created what I believe God is still creating. So I'm not I'm not done, obviously. But um, I think that I'm just done trying to swim against the current of God's calling. Um, and behind that, um, I just, I always tell people I don't really like people, but I love people. Um, <laughs> I'm super introverted. Um, I can tell that. I can tell that your circle is very small. Not because you're standoffish, but because it's just, it is what it is. Because I think that I really see people. Um, and, it, and it can be draining when you <laughs> can see everything in somebody <laughs> and feel that pull to, like, want to make, want to help somebody be better that God didn't intentionally put in your life. It's not Whoa. that. Whoa. Wow. It's not that you're not, we're not called to bless. It's just certain people can bless somebody better and I can be getting in the way. Um, I believe that there's certain, like the key of my voice to the people that are listening in that moment will, will minister because God called it and ordained it. Um, so I can be trying to sing in, in somebody else's key and, and not touch as deep. 
Um, and so I think over time I've just realized that, um, like I said before, like doing what I'm called to do in a real way, but also living that calling. Um, so yeah, like I was gonna say, I, lo I, I love people genuinely, and so that's a big part of my music. Um, I think I put a lot of what I don't say to people outside of my circle, inside of the music, in the hopes that when they're listening to it in their headphones, they feel like they're having that personal conversation. Um, I want people to know that they're understood. Uh, I tell people all the time, there's six billion people in the world. Somebody has got to relate to what I'm saying. Right. Um, I don't do it to chase fans. I don't do it because I don't, I think that that comes like, seek first the kingdom of heaven, all other things will be added. So if I'm seeking to really bless people, then everything else comes as a byproduct. Um, so why I do what I do is just because I think that people need to hear what I needed to hear and what I need to hear consistently. Um, and so a lot of times the songs that I'm writing are because when I wrote Unstoppable, I felt stoppable. Like I felt broken. I, felt I was stuck in between a contract and I had to get out of it. And so I wrote a song that I didn't even like. And I listened back. That's so honest. I listened back from time to time. And I'm like, that's crazy. Bright lights, same place. Like I'm, I wrote that walking. Like, they, like I think it's just, again, it's a, when you understand, um, I think that what God calls you to do, you'll do naturally. You don't have to force yourself to sing. You don't have to force yourself to write it. It's something that happens. Um, and I think that that's how you know that you're, that's what you're meant to bless somebody else with. Gotcha. Ajani? First of all, are they not like super phenomenal? Like, <laughs> woo! Beautiful. Um, I believe the reason why I do it is because I was afraid to. And um, I don't know if anybody follows me on Instagram, but I have this be brave kind of like movement on there. And the reason why that was birthed was because for a while I really, really, and still do sometimes struggle with anxiety. Like I, being on stage made me anxious. Um, there were times when I was literally having full on anxiety attacks and I would look over at Malik who's back there. So <laughs> I would look over to him and he would know exactly what was going on and just start praying for me. But um, I do it because I know that I can and I wanna show other people who deal with mental illnesses and um, like depression yeah. and people, have this stigma that makes it seem like you guys can't do anything because you're mentally ill. And I don't believe that's true. Um, so I know that I have to do this just so I can prove to the world for you guys and with you guys who deal with anxiety and different things like that, that we can do it and we can be successful. Uh, we don't have to succumb to suicide. There's life to be lived even with the issues that we have. So. That's the reason why I do it. Gotcha. Here we have a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen, for this. Okay. Man, that's a lot. And there's still more to cover. And to help me cover this, um, um, this system I'm about to bring up on stage to join the four of us is a MC. She's a poet. She's a journalist in her own right. Um, Really an awesome person, and you know, we she actually we talked about probably doing this the last time we did this series when it was Andre Bird, when it was Chris Morgan, when it was Cole Campbell. Um, and who was the other person there? I feel like I'm missing somebody. Odane, Odane was the fourth person. So, Evie, would you like to join us? Everybody, give it up for Evie, ladies and gentlemen. 
So I figured, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing three ladies. Um, there's certain questions I could ask, and I don't think it would be a problem for me to ask, but I feel like, you know, women have this way of relating to women in certain aspects, and I felt like maybe, you know. And then plus, I know she had questions for you guys as well, and I, I think there's certain things I think we, the crowd here would love to get your perspective on, so. Hi. Um, I think you guys, all three of you individually, are like very inspiring. Um, each purpose is beautiful and, and just unique in its own way. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm cheering you guys on from Thank the sidelines, you, you know. Um, okay, so um, before I get to my questions, there was one thing you said that kind of like struck me because I'm like, hey, that's me too. Um, you said something about. Um, being out there as far as your work, but being very private, you know? And I, I want you to elaborate a little bit more on that, you know? Um, I noticed that I had like this burst of like freedom and transparency and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna be transparent and tell everybody everything, you know, so you know everyone can relate and just know because I'm not the only one. And then I realized that there's a balance that needs to be there, right. um, especially getting into like my first serious relationship. Um, I wanted to post pictures and tell the world and be like, this is my man, isn't he hot? Like, you know, I really did. Yeah. And then like, like he's very private and I like, you know, I've been a secret my whole life. So I'm like, we're like getting to arguments. I'm like, I just want to tell the world everything. And I realized- You don't have arguments about that? It's like, I want to put- It was just me. <laughs> he, did, he was just like, but, and I was like, but no. He's just like, but, and I was like, you know, um, that I'm just like, I want everyone to know everything. And I realized that there's people who follow my poetry who like what I say, but they don't really like me. They don't know me. Mm. You know, like I'm transparent, but you don't, like, I have a very small group of friends who know me, who have seen me, like, you know, get mad or cry or something like that. So when it comes to, like, that specifically, like, um, there's a way where you can be transparent and let people know who you are but still protect yourself. Not pro I used to be protected, like, bitter protected, but now I'm protected, like, no, I need boundaries and I need space and this is my life and you can know this about it and this is what you need to know, like that. So I'm still learning and it's still a process because I still want to tell the world everything. Yeah. It's, you know, it's been hard, yeah. It's a good question. I definitely dig that, though, because I think I've been through my fair share of uh -huh. exposing too much, you know, and then, you know, coming across situations where it's just like what you exposed as too much is now used against you. Mm -hmm. So, you know. And it's not only, I learned it's like, it's not only about you. Right. Like, even though I want to tell the world, like, you know, about love and, like, stuff like that, if it involves another person, like... I might be able to handle the attention because I perform in front of thousands of people, but they might not be able to handle the attention because they're just, they live day to day. Like, they just go to work in church. Like, you know, like, so um, I'm learning that to respect other people when I reveal what I do reveal, so. So, um, even and I were talking about you guys as far as, like, the things that we would feel like we would want to know, and um, we talked about the whole idea of dating. That whole thing. Um, and I know you had something that you really wanted to find out about, like in, in terms of just like, what is dating like in a sense, right? Like, cause you know, I, 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 I think, no, no, for real. Cause his, from a, all right, so from a guy's perspective, right? You guys are all beautiful women, talented, intelligent, carry yourselves a certain way. Um, how 
or if does a man, whether particularly a saved man, particularly a believer, like who, how do they come across you? How do they approach you? Should they They're approach weird. you? It's weird. It's weird, right? right. So, I was like, let's get to the point. Ask me if like, he can worship the ground I walked on. I'm like, no, get out of here. Like, it's weird. To say y'all are weird. So Why is it, like, so you said it's weird? Why? No, um, because people put me on a pedestal, and I'm sure you guys can relate. Like, we're perfect, we're untouchable. Leah James is this, she's this. I got emotional baggage. My though I don't have parents, I'm insecure sometimes. I deal with depression and anxiety. What you see on stage, and like I'm cute or whatever, but what you see on stage, like there is tremendous layers and depth to me that I feel like um, a lot of men can't handle because they have this image and this perfection. And then, you know, the first time you see Leah James cry or break down, you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> do, I, do I know? What the? Like, I've been there. Yeah. And it's, like, it's frustrating. So now I'm at a point where, like, um, dating, I don't really want to date ever again in my life. Um, no, I'm just playing. I'm, but, like, not, <laughs> not ever again. But, um... I realize that like a lot of men, especially like they put us on pedestals, like we're imp like we're perfect, we're untouchable, but we're human beings. We just are bold enough to live out our purpose. Did you get a lot of weird DMs when you dropped Dear Black Man? Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, I still get them. I'm like, get out. It's weird. If they were cute, it'd be different. But it's like, <laughs> I'm, just like <laughs> I'm just saying, no, yeah, uh -huh, okay. definitely. Gotcha. Cool. Um. Anybody else has any weird horror stories or just perspectives on dating, especially as an artist? Well, as an artist, I think, <laughs> well, just from, from my perspective, they see how many people follow me and how perfect I look, I guess, on Instagram, and that kind of runs them away. So as far as, like, guys wanting to date me, I don't get the question, do you want to go, go out? Yes. I don't I mean, get that. No, what, what what I was aiming for is more um, towards Christian men. Okay. Right? What What's that like? You know, because I know there's a lot of Christian men that appear, you know, to be something mm -hmm. because of, you know, an image they have to uphold. But <laughs> now, you know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, what? Oh, no, the house got cleared. Did, did something happen? Okay. Wait, but okay. what, what, is, what is the question? Okay, let's go. What has been your experience with <laughs> Christian men? Yes. Um, there. With with Christian men, because I dated so long ago, we were so long ago. Yeah, so like three or four years ago, okay. we were both growing in the Christian, you know, lifestyle. So it was like. We evened each other out. We balanced each other out. So it wasn't bad dating a guy who was a Christian. He's trying to figure it out how to live saved, and I am too. So it wasn't bad for me. That's my experience. Gotcha. Right. Okay, so how? I guess my, my question now is, especially in the stage of your life now, what would be the best approach, if at all? Like, what, what, what do you look for for somebody who's a partner? as far as like in the future, maybe not now, but like say like if, if you're gonna walk this walk with me, this is what I'm looking for because a lot of times some men can't handle being next to you. Really can't handle it, you know? And you might think, well, I'm, I'm not anything. I'm just being used by God. But some people are, some men might be insecure in themselves to the point where it's just like, 
they might feel like their manhood is at the sacrifice of lifting you up. Mm. You know, so. No, 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 no talk. If you. <laughs> what you gonna say? If a man feels that way, you're not a man. If you are intimidated by the number of people who follow me and how many men are in my inbox and how many likes I get or hearts I get on my pictures or crap like that, you, that's your. You need to grow up a little bit because if I'm with you, I'm with you, and people know. Leah James, if I'm with someone, like, it's, it's dead, it's serious. Right. You know, like, so it's like, no, if, if they feel that way, if they feel intimidated by it, then you're just not the one for me. And that's all. Gotcha. Okay, that's fair. Anything else that you had in yeah. mind to ask? Um, as far as um, your image and society's perception of, like, the kind of image you should uphold, um, what, what, I, what I kind of wanted to know was, what does what's what's your definitions of sexy versus conservative? Mm. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no, everybody has a definition. You know, that's the hot take. Well, I guess if <laughs> um, sexy isn't just showing your body, because I feel like I'm really sexy right now. And I got a headscarf on. I'm right. sorry, like y'all are like, no, 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 no. what? Like, but I'm saying, like, sexy is like an aura. It's who you are. And um, I feel like as Christian women, we're taught not to be sexy. But then, like, how? Are, it's just this whole like, um, if I can get real, we all adults in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole image and like sexuality and being a woman and not being a sexual being is frustrating because we like sex too. Okay, <laughs> I'm saying. So like, a woman. <laughs> in front of like a whole bunch of people hey. <laughs> but I'm just saying no, like being sexy I'll like we're taught like we can't be sexy but why can't we be sexy because then okay so I'm taught to be this modest woman who doesn't like sex don't know what my body does nothing like that and then I get married and then I'm lost and I'm thrown in an ocean of sexuality and it could take a huge toll on your relationship. And this is real because I know people who go through it and I right. have had my own experiences. So then like, you're not prepared for any of these things that come along with being sexy. So here I am, sexy, looking good and this and that, but then I get a man. And now my sexiness comes into play. And now what do I do? Like, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, like I didn't expect to get you. Like I didn't, I was just being sexy because I'm sexy. Like, like you know, so like then we're lost and we don't have these conversations and we don't talk about sexuality um, in a beautiful way. We talk about sexuality as don't do that. Don't touch them. Don't be alone. Don't wear this. But why don't we talk about what we should do or what's beautiful about sexuality or why you should abstain? It's not right. just abstain because right. God says abstain. Abstain because there's a whole bunch of psychological stuff that comes all along with it if you don't abstain. Like it's right. not, it's just like, it's a whole huge package that like really frustrates me as a woman, as um, a woman who is like not afraid to talk about sex or like something like that. And I feel like, you know, being sexy, it's, it's a lot to it, but it's not something that, People should shy away from. I feel like also as women, mm -hmm. we're taught to shy away from sexuality to um, protect a man, right? So I'm not going to wear a short skirt because it's going to cause my brother to fall. Right. I mentioned this before. No, why don't you just deal with being able to be around a woman in a short skirt? 
Like, I feel like that's crazy to me. Like, in the world, women wear short skirts all the time, and men are jumping all over them just doing them. Like, you know what I'm saying? I should yeah. be able to wear a short skirt in church, and you can control yourself. Like, and it's like I come from that background where I'm taught protect myself or cover up to protect my brother, cover up to protect another person. No, cover up because you want to cover up or don't cover up because it's your choice. And another thing about sexuality, um, just from a male perspective, it's not just – a visual thing, it's a mental thing too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because there's times, like I'm in a relationship, and I know there's sometimes when it's like the way my woman would speak yeah. or say certain right. things, I find it's a turn on. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like being able to deal with that in that moment. You know what I'm saying? And just being like, you know, acknowledging it. I think that's a problem too. I think we sometimes we're in denial. Like, we nah, that's a part of our being. Like, right. We're only supposed to be like intellectual and spiritual, but not sexual. When we're in a body that is created to procreate, like what? Like, does that not bother anyone else? Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you find all these things attractive, but it's, like, at the same time, we're like, oh, that's taboo. That's a wrong part of me. That's bad. Well, maybe if we embraced it and we looked at it as good, we'd be able to wait because it is so good that we would love it and appreciate it. And I'm like, I'm going to hold this good thing and mm -hmm. grow it and nurture it. And then when it's time, it's going to be beautiful and amazing. Gotcha. So... I don't even know I felt all not, these things. This is great. No, no, go for it. Go for it. There's, go for it. There's something about when, tell, when someone tells you not to touch that. It's like, now you want to see what, you know what I mean? Instead of, like she's saying, educating these young women on what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Evie, um, you were talking about also, we were also talking about in terms of like body image. You had some questions about that, right? As far as like how people see themselves in that aspect. Yeah. Um, like I've seen, uh, well, as far as I've seen you, you know, when I, when I looked at your YouTube videos, you've gone through that process of like the skirts and I've seen the, the, the evolution. Um, but my question would be, um, how, how was the struggle as far as, like, self-esteem and, and body image when it came to society? Like, what were the pressures? Because I know that it's very easy for a female to feel like, well, I'm not in because I don't have the biggest breasts or the biggest butt or, you know, you know, I'm just not society's mm -hmm. in, you know? So I really want to know, like, what was the journey in becoming yourselves, you know, just mm. being free, being who you are? I feel like I'm still on that journey, but I'm in a um, a place that I love on the journey. Um, I grew up extremely skinny and like, you know, like black women got bodies. You know what I mean? Not all black women, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like they're voluptuous, like, you know, big boobs, big butt. I don't have either. Like, and I, I was made, it was made known to me constantly. Um, I got made fun of for having a small chest. I got made fun of for being skinny. I actually wanted to grow up and get plastic surgery. Like, that was in my really? mind. Like, I'm going to get fake boobs, and I don't care. Gotcha. Yeah. And I wanted that. Like, I remember, like, it's crazy because I just had this conversation. I'm like, yo, like, I love my body. Like, I love it. Like, love the body I'm in. But it was a long journey to get there. Like, um, I started working out. And it was like, you're so skinny. Why are you working out? I started working out because I was, number one, I was extremely unhealthy. I was a stroke survivor, and I was extremely underweight for my height. So you can work out to gain weight. So I have gained maybe, like, 40 pounds from working out. Nice. And I love my body. And it's like, you know, people are like, oh, you're still skinny. Why are you working out? I'm like, I'm working out to not, not just be thick and be voluptuous, but to 
realize this is my temple. This is my home. I am in this place every day. And if I don't love the place that I'm in every day, it's going to affect how I interact with everyone else. Once I started working out and loving my body, my performances changed. I used to walk into a room and like feel all, like instantly like self-conscious. Like, oh my God, they're going to see that like I'm wearing this and this and my teeth and this. Like all these It's got to be distracting, right? So distracting. Like you're trying to get into a zone and it's right. like, oh, I'm trying I'm to like, pick myself apart. Right. And mm -hmm. now I'm like, there's no other place I would rather be than in my own body. And it took months. It took years. Like I started doing like affirmations. It sounds really weird, and um, I like kind of stopped doing them. And I saw like the effect that it had on me mentally. I would look in the mirror, and I would be like, "You're beautiful. You got this. You are beautiful. You really got this, yo. Like your smile is gorgeous. Your eyes they look like the ocean. Like I would go. I would like literally compliment myself. Like I was complimenting a stranger. You heard that poem, right? I'm alone. Like, like ocean. Right. I'm so romantic with myself. I've seen it. But, um, it took a long time, but and it felt really weird. But like by doing that, I literally started to start to like love literal things about myself. Like my smile is beautiful. My eyes are beautiful. I don't have to have a big booty to get a man. Like you know what I'm saying? Like um, all those things are great for the moment, but they don't last forever. And what is really something a gift that you give someone is your soul. Hey Angie, I oh no, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I just want wanted to say I didn't have the. Well, I have the butt and I have the breast, just being honest. Um, but I didn't have the hair or the pretty eyes. And mm. I was enough to sleep with in their mind, you know what I mean? But as far as, like, that's the one or, you know, off the back. And I think a lot of black women go through that because our hair is kinky and it's not what everybody, you know, likes. We got the butt. We got all of this stuff. So it's enough for me to be, you know, a one-night one stand. But as far as, like... She's the one because look at her eyes or her face or whatever. Um, I went through a lot of like psychological stuff with because that. Based off yeah. of that, yeah. Yeah, as a, a young girl just growing up thinking this is all I have to offer, you know. And <laughs> I sat with my therapist not too long ago, maybe like a year ago. And he said to me, what do you have to offer? What do you bring to the table? And I couldn't answer the question. And he said, that's the problem. You don't know what you have to offer. And he started going down the list. And I mean, this man just met me of all the beautiful things about me. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think every woman should do that. It's not, it's not about all of this. It's about what you can bring from here, from inside, from here. Like, are you, what do you have going on in your mind to bring to a man um, to add on to him or him to you? You know what I mean? So I think we really need to focus more so on our hearts versus all of this stuff. Yo, in addition to what you just said, yeah, we can clap that up for real. And in addition, in addition to what you said, what struck me also about what you just said is the fact that you actually said, "Hey, I went to a therapist to deal with this," because in our community, going to a therapist or a counselor or whatever, it's like, "No, you crazy, you weak. We don't deal with that. We don't talk that in front of people." I admire that you actually you. did that. And maybe we are a little bit sick in the head. We're creatives. What? I, I mean, <laughs> we're artists. When you have when you have cancer, when you have diabetes, you go to the doctor, and that is the doctor for your mind. Go to the doctor and get checked out. Get your whatever your diagnosis may be. I mean, you don't have to live by that, but right. find out what it is that you can do to fix whatever is wrong with your mind. So. Got you.
I want to just add something sure, real go quick for it. before you go forward. Um, you know, that's very powerful because I think that even as Christians, you know, we're very big on the, oh, well, Jesus, you know, in Jesus' name, I'm healed. Or, you know, like we walk according to that. But sometimes you really just need help. You need something much more than what, you know, your faith can offer. Not not that, and, and who's don't let that me. God isn't using right. that opportunity or right. resources for you to well, just. Well, just I'm sorry. Answer, I, I was gonna Real quick, I was going to say a uh, faith without work is dead. dead. You, exactly. There you go. You got to do something in order for that thing to get fixed. Exactly. It's not just going to pop out of nowhere. Right. So you got to put in the footwork mm. in order for that to, you know, work out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had one other question for Angie. Um, was there ever a time when you were made to feel like you were playing up your looks or your femininity to gain followers, to get streams, to build your brand, per se? Like, were you ever in a situation where it's like, really, that's what you all think? Because I posted this picture or I carry myself a certain way or? Um, no, I've actually never heard it, so I'm pretty sure somebody's saying it. Right. They didn't say it to me, so I mean, whatever. Um, <clears throat> what I have had, I had a girl DM me. I wore a crop top one time. Um, and I had a girl DM me, like, sis, you know, we look up to you um, for, like, your modesty and blah, blah, blah. And this kind of, like, you know, threw me off. And she was like, and, but I, I, I didn't want to say it, like, on the in front of everybody or whatever. Mm. Um, because, and I respected it a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, yo, you dope. Um, and I was like, you know, just, um, I was like, it's, it's not easy to go from being, like, a reg, I don't know, like, a regular Nobody cares what you dress like to all of a sudden people are all eyes on you. Yeah, are worried or concerned about that. Like and and it's not to say that I I grew up in church, so I've always understood like the I think the balance, um which is why I don't think I really struggle with this issue too much. Like I'm I just dress like me. Um the crop top type of thing was, was new and so when she, <laughs> when she said, I was like, All right, like I hear you and so I was like, you know, sis, um I just encourage you to keep me in prayer that um that ultimately I would let God guide my walk because if he does, then I'm going to be good. Um, his goal, like God's goal is always our good, his good, and his, our good, their good, and his glory. And so once I understand that, then I, I'm like unconcerned about anything else. So it's regarding the question of people saying I'm playing up my looks. Like I said, I haven't heard it to my face. Mm -hmm. If anybody's saying it, then pray for me. Like, because that's not the goal, but hey, if it works. <laughs> Amen. Do you have any other questions? Um, um, yeah, I actually did. One for you. Um, so this whole Christian hip hop artist thing, and and just hip hop artists, you know, where what category do you place your music or or you in? Not that there has to be a category or or, or a label, yeah. but how do you see yourself? Well, um, there is a label, right? right. So uh, I I don't put myself in it, but um, I let the listener decide where they want to put me. Right. Um, I'm I'm just making music. Um, and you, if you like Christian hip-hop and you say that my music is Christian hip-hop, then go ahead. If you like hip-hop and you say my music is hip-hop, go ahead. You like R&B, you say my music R&B, go ahead. I don't care, like, where you put me as long as, like, if you enjoy the music, then enjoy the music. Like, I like that. Good choice. Mm -hmm. Good choice. Well, that's exactly much. Well, I know I, I got your, your non-label status on that. Like, how, how do you feel about that? Just get itch. Mm -hmm. um, God is 
Mm-hmm. I feel God <laughs> when I do their blessings. Right. You know, like, I feel God. Like, I feel what I know when I talk about, like, social justice. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a poet. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. It's a nice name too. So we'll go with Leah. That's good. Yeah, I think for me as a as an artist, I think I've never necessarily had a problem with being called a Christian hip hop artist or otherwise. I think I just don't want to be limited in what I want to rap about. That's my main thing. Because it's like if you're a Christian hip hop artist, you must only rap about A, B, C, and D, not E, F. And I'm like, nah. It's, that's not the life we live, you know? So, yeah, I like it. I have, does anybody here have any questions? I, I, I have a couple. You have a couple? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know who I'm going to start with, but it's very difficult, interesting. So, um, I'm going to have to pick, let's see. Is it in the middle? Is it right? <laughs> Just like tic tac toe right there. That's good. Yeah. Right. Um, well, how, say, how, about, how about this? Why don't you ask the question and let's see who answers it first? We could do that. Oh, that's interesting. So let's pick Angie Wallace. Okay. <laughs> Angie Wallace. <laughs> you, you know that um, we've known each other like closely, like brother and sister. Right. Tights. Mm. So my question is to you, like. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Every time when I see you, Angie, it's like funny to me. No, but seriously, um, let's get to the question. Yeah. The question is like, how did God draw you to that childhood of a sister womanhood that he bring you up as a Christian leader, sisterhood leadership? Are you asking like how I became like a Christian? Like how, how did you come like like, like, how like, became, like original I don't know that I had anything to do with it, to be honest. I think it was a, a combination of just um of just life. Um I always look at life like God like weaving together a tapestry. Um and I didn't really have anything to do with the thread that he used, um, but I'm here. So it's kind of just like my parents were pastors. My brother did hip hop and sold drugs. Like it's this, it's really? the same house. Like it had nothing to do. I didn't choose to be born there. It just happened. And so me loving Jesus and loving hip hop wasn't my choice. It was, it's what it looked like. Um, and so I think the same for all of us. Like we didn't really have anything to do with. We did because we like said yes to Jesus and there was like there was that exchange um but but as far as what he chose to to cook the meal with we didn't have any choice in the ingredients mm -hmm. That's awesome. gotcha. um any other questions from anybody else Is that the case, or 
Um, yeah, I don't, it's not really formulaic for me. I think a lot of what has happened is because it's just been like that. Um, so like, all right, so I, I Wado was, I did a Wado interview, which was like the first thing that anybody really ever heard from me. Mm -hmm. Um, I had not, I didn't have a song out at that point. Like I hadn't, I hadn't even like been in the booth really? like that. Like, yeah, I was okay. a student in school. Um, a Ja Rockin ended up, I, I did a feature for a friend. Uh, Chris Belmont ended up coming through and just, it was what it was. I started getting beats and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I was sitting and he was like, oh, there's waiters coming. Like, come through and help. So I'm legit serving water. <laughs> so, yeah, I was serving water to the artists and chilling. And then when they would do their interviews, I was sitting on the floor like, and he was like, yo, you look like you could rap. And then boom, that's what happened. Really? Um, after that, somebody commented, and they were like, oh, does she have any music? No, there was no music. <laughs> Kid goes, um, I would love to shoot her videos for her, um, for songs. I didn't have no songs. So <laughs> I grabbed four industry beats and write to them, and I'm like, yo, what if we put this together? So Kid flies down from Chicago, boom, that ends up being what it was. Then I did Wannabe, same kid shoots the video because of a producer that has sent me a beat and, and said, hey, can you be on a mixtape off of Wado as well? So again, nothing was like I I I couldn't make it happen the way it happened. Like Wado taking off, I was getting booked for shows with, without songs. You know what I'm saying? And so like my whole journey has been very much like that. And I think that that God did it on purpose because now I'm very aware of what He's doing, and I try to make my moves according to that. Right. And sometimes it's on accident, like the mixtape coming together. But Not at so the same time, look at how it came together. I do sips coffee. This they're the bakery. Boom. Like and and so I'm just like. It, I know it looks like I'm planning things to people, but if y'all was in my room and seeing that I can't make a plan for the life of me and I'd be frustrated because I plan things and they don't happen. Right. This mixtape was done in September. It's just about to drop now. I was ready to drop. I don't know if, if, if you was looking. I put out in September, like, yo, I think I'm going to drop a mixtape on my birthday. Hmm. Is what month is it? I don't even know what month. We're That's how April. I don't know. <laughs> we in April. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just. So it's you've been not, sitting on this for six months. Yeah, it's just been there. Um. So yeah, nothing. Maybe more. Planned. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. A lot of things just as it happens and. That's crazy. That's crazy. Any other? Oh, well, oh, I'll say yeah. Yeah, two questions. My bad, Bronx. Go ahead. It's okay. Ajani. Um, being in the industry means you, you have to kind of hustle the entire time. Well, yeah, it is a hustle. 
Um, and if you know anything about a hustle there, sometimes when there's like dry seasons where you're not making anything at all. Um, and in LaVray's case, we took so long to put the album out, we um, exasperated like all of the money's done. There is no money after the album. So you drop the album and then you don't have the money to promote the album. It's like you need money for everything. Um, and if you're not getting gigs, then you're not making money, period, because the label is recouping everything from CD sales. So um, after LaVray put out their album, I just had in mind, I need to start working on my stuff. And I don't have a label, so I have to work a job. And sometimes you have to be your own source of income. You got to get it in a nine to five. And it is what it is. Um, right now I'm working for a company called Choice, and they, are, they advocate for people with mental illness. So it was, it was God to even put me there just for whatever season it is so I can be more knowledgeable about, more knowledgeable about the field that I want to minister to. So it, it was God that put me in that place. But, um, yeah, you got to work. That, it is what it is. Either way, if you're in the industry, you got to work. You got to bust your behind. If, if you want something more steady, then you got to get a nine to five. I'm going to take, I know Ajani needs to bounce out of here pretty soon. So I'm going to take one more question from anybody. Anybody have any questions? Go for it. <laughs> yeah, um, God gave it to you. What's the question? So the question is, God uses you as a tool, and then God says, do not let go of you right now. And mm. then he's wondering, right, what could you help everybody else think or do to someone to change their life? Or what, was it, what would you think of someone's not even going through what you're going through? Or what will happen if someone is not doing good? Um, I'm not really sure what the question is. I, I think I think I got it. I think it's it's like, how are you? How is it important for you to like impact somebody's life to kind of like get to the direction that, that they need to get? To yeah. Um, I mean, it's the most important thing to me. It's why I do what I do. Like, um, and I think like I try to do that um, by being real, and like being honest, and like talking about the things that nobody wants to talk about. Like sex like I did earlier or body image or like things that nobody wants to talk about I feel like I'm called to do that because I'm I'm usually different and look different from everyone I'm around actually we the same color girl oh my god this never happens it's like no for real like it never happens like I'm usually the only like white one so I'm different so I feel like um just by being different and being authentic because like you said like you can meet all these famous people like there's people who inbox me and I'll respond and they'll be like, oh my God, you responded. I can't believe I'm talking to you right now. And I'm like, I'm really sorry that you have to feel like that. Right. Like that I, that you're so shocked that someone Actually who performs took time to, took time to you acknowledge back. you because you're a human being. Mm -hmm. Like, and I remember meeting like poets that I looked up to and they put a really nasty taste in my mouth. I'm like, I never want to be like them. And these are poets that I would like, who encouraged me at one point to be a writer. I'm like, oh, they're amazing. And then I meet them in real life and I'm like, you suck. As a person, you're rude. You're rude. You don't care. You're not authentic. I want to be everything. Like, the way that made me feel, I don't ever want to make anyone feel that way. Ever. I want to, like, let them know that they're a person. It doesn't matter if you're on the stage or behind the mic or have two followers or 200,000 followers. You're still a human being. And I hope and I pray 
that I can exude that and treat everybody with that. I mean, everybody has bad days. Sometimes I have a lot of bad days. But, like, on my good days, or my, you know, I want just people to feel loved. And I feel like that is the ultimate call of God. If you're speaking about Jesus and preaching about Jesus, but you're not letting people feel Jesus, you're not doing anything. So I just hope that I do that. Got you. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Ajani Hambrick. Give it up for Leah James. Give it up for Angie Rose. Yes, these are the phenomenal women. We had this conversation. Um